0: All right, welcome to the pitch stack episode 10. We did it, Matt. We're in double digits. Uh, We did it. So, obviously, Matt's here. Matt, how are you today? Great. I'm doing okay. I've had a rough week in the world of sports. You sound like you're feeling uh, better. I am. I have, I defeated the virus and then I had like some pretty crazy exhaustion later. Like, I, I haven't been that tired in years. I felt like I was like, Felt like I crammed for an all-nighter like seven nights in a row. I was just like barely able to get off the couch, so I look like really disheveled right now. If you want to picture me, just
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, guys. It's true. I right. do not miss the uh, the cramming days. As you have uh, related it to, I used I to. Still- uh,
0: I still get like really vivid nightmares of like I, it happens maybe once every two or three months of like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about this test. I have. Tomorrow. Oh, my God. He's ready for it. Within- like it's, such a, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a meme like to oh, have those nightmares, man. but it it's like the, all the, the time. It's like the no pants dream. Yeah, it's like so stereotypical of a nightmare. It's almost embarrassing. dude i
1: when i graduated um i remember continuing to have like nightmares like i i would almost consider a nightmare because the sheer anxiety you feel from feeling like you forgot to do an assignment like you forgot or you're you're late for work or something right like i have dreams and shit where i still work at like old jobs or i'm still in like College courses and shit, and I still have to turn it into assignments. And, oh my God, I got a test, dude. I've got to get on Blackboard real quick and do my assignment. Oh my God, it's doing an hour.
0: Right? It's like getting that PTS degree, you know? Just, <laughs> <laughs> PTS degree. Yeah, that's what it Absolutely. is. There's nothing like that relief, though, waking up and just being like, oh my God, I actually, that wasn't real and I never have to do that again. It's that, uh and I, I haven't had it, but I can
1: imagine what it's like to uh like quit a job and then wake up the next day and be like oh shit I don't have to go to work oh god it's amazing I've done it several times (laughs) I mean usually what happens in my case is that I'm moving on to another job but the last two I've had the last two I've had have been like back to back just like uh several
0: years so I haven't really had like a a quick job turnover in a while oh yeah I've had a couple of in my life where just like a job gets to the point where it's just like it's like I've I've worked. I've worked almost almost three hundred and fifty hours this month. It's like I'm becoming unhinged. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and do nothing for a week. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty great. Ah, uh, all right. Well, so that's how we're doing. Um, <laughs> so that said, we've got a little bit to talk about today. We have ProQuest season in full swing. We have Uprising spoilers to talk about. We have the June. Armory kit, classic battles themed, and we've got a got a little insider information on what could be happening with the uprising market. All coming at you right after the intro. You're listening to the Pitch Podcast. All right, and we're back. So, Matt, this weekend you uh you attended a pro quest and oh, yeah. uh, an an exceptionally competitive pro quest uh, with several pro tour competitors involved, and you top Ford. Hell oh, yeah, feels so, good. Hell yeah, great job. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because this meta is really weird, considering the amount of cards that haven't really changed. Yeah, so um.
1: Excluding uh the should show that the the ProQuest that we had to attend was <laughs> where it was supposed to be starting at ten in the morning, as far as it was scheduled on the uh site page where you purchase your entry and uh elsewhere. Uh apparently there were messages sent Other places that not everyone always has equal uh, viewing of that it was rescheduled to two. So I don't know what's going on with that. We uh, were pretty somewhat livid, but uh, we ended up going somewhere else to play for a little bit. Had some lunch, so it was cool to fraternize with the homies. And then, uh, you know, head back to the shop around two o'clock and started our ProQuest. And uh, the field was pretty small. We had about 15 players, I believe. Maybe 16. Um, And most of our like, you know, barring two or three guys, most of our uh, local scene made it out. And uh, there was a lot of a lot of variation. And there was like two or three Lexis, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there were three Lexis. no surprise. Yeah.
0: Ranger Uh, fans (laughs) are gonna Ranger fan. The Yuki (laughs) simps. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Is just that the Ranger fans have been trying to make one of Lexi and or Azalea work for what feels like years now, even though I mean, it hasn't been years. It, it's working. Uh, yeah, Yuki, gave, really Yuki is. gave them hope. She, uh, d-
1: she did it. Ranger players are the kind of magic, play- like if they were to play magic, they would be the type of players to play like the Dirtly decks, where like... They move pieces all over the board and tap cards <laughs> sideways and then untap them again and then grab cards in the graveyard and then play it, deal three damage to you, go to the graveyard, uh flash it back, lava dark, go to the exile, mill a card, do a thing, you know, like several it's step like- players.
0: I feel like this happens all the time, especially if you're a magic judge. So I know very few people listening to this can relate to it, but I know you can, Matt. There's this thing that happens if you're just sitting at an LGS and you're a magic judge where people just approach you and they want to show you this crazy <laughs> combo they figured out. <laughs> you're like, oh, Doug, look at these cars. So first I play this and then I draw this and then I do this. And then these three work together, which... Does this if I can tutor for this card? And then you're just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm a judge and I still do that. I walk up to the level <laughs> two judge that certified me and I'm like, hey, check out this combo. And he just shakes his head at me. It's like, what are you doing to these people? <laughs> I'm like,
0: but it's so much fun. <laughs> But you're right though. Ranger does feel like that. And I feel innately that is the problem with Ranger is every single card in that deck is so dependent on two or three other cards happening that I feel like that's the weakness of the deck, right? Is that no, there's no single card within Ranger that feels like powerful on its own or like none of the hero abilities or weapons. It it requires requires all the, it requires the
1: correct, uh, like percentages of deck, you know, uh, it's not it's not construction the word i'm looking for but um yeah you even know draws or like hands
0: that you're gonna have right you ratios know, means, yeah. You know, ratios, ratios of exactly. the
1: the cards you need to fuse arrows as well and uh just card like resources too because you need to put cards into your arsenal so like the deck requires a large amount of arrows so that you don't whiff on draw effects like art of war and three of a kind um, I mean, we can get into a ranger theory for a lot, for a while here, but the simple part of it is that you need a lot of arrows, uh, more than like thirty, uh, and you need a lot of ways to uh, trick your opponents in blocking, frostbite hit effects, aura, rain razors, those type of things, and uh, and unfortunately, you have only that to rely on. The amount of damage you push, because other than that, a deck like Starvo is just going to crush you.
0: Yeah, You know, I mean, I don't know
1: how I think I've heard that the Lexi deck plays well into Starvo, but I feel like if Starvo just gets one good turn on you, like if you can't fr- frostbite them on the turn where they're going to fuse you, you just die. Like if they fr- if they oak and old you like you don't have really much of a turn. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? Now I've say that now and I want to correct myself because I feel like actually the play is to load up your arsenal. um Oh so that it's immune to open. Right. Yeah. So but the thing sense. is it still turns your turn off cuz you're pitching to do that mm-hmm. and you load up with like two cards and then you have to discard anyways. So like you turn your entire turn off and then you do get another chance at it again if you don't get like fused again, you get another shot with some cards in hand to send some arrows out. But that's still like a a turn to like a two turn like buying time, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. It, it seems risky, but I, I've seen Lexis have some success in doing that, especially the Yuki uh, at the Pro Tour.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at Yuki's list, uh, or at least the one that she used at a Pro Quest this last weekend, uh, so maybe it's not necessarily her Pro Tour list, there, there seem to be roughly 12 arrows that shoot for zero. So I yeah. think that's kind of an okay way to shoot back. It seems like all the other ones shoot for one. You're going to be playing Tunic. Yeah, no, um, it, no, arrows. I'm sorry. I don't know. Oh, no, just 25% of your life total, you know, plus your resources isn't great. Correct. And uh, most of the arrows are all either four power or
1: uh, five power attacks. Yeah. And. Absolutely. um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lexi's got a good field for her, in my opinion. Um, She does lose two certain matchups like Prism, but for the most part I think she's got a good uh she's got good matchups. Um so my pro tour experience, my pro quest, sorry. Uh I played Viserai. My nice. uh my pet That's deck. That's unusual. And,
0: <laughs> well,
1: yeah. I was a little surprised because I felt down on Viserai and I was I wasn't having a lot of success and I was trying to like um you know, I was just trying to break new ground moving into certain directions because without Skeleta, the deck feels a little weird, so I was trying bad. to be like sort of a pathfinder in the meta uh figuring out what Viscerize role is now uh I was trying to go the disruption route and it had moderate success uh mostly because I drew sometimes I would draw like the classic like aggro hand and it would just be good enough to push in like twenty five damage on one turn, but um yeah. that's not always the case. And uh, it wasn't consistent enough, but I did run into a new deck list and I decided to just play it straight out. I did, of course, have to include Arknight Shard because so long as I live and draw breath, I'm always going to run <laughs> Arknight Shard in my Visrider deck. That's and fair. no one can convince me it's not the correct play because every single time I have it, I don't really care that it's in my hand because I'm usually not blocking anyways. And generating uh, one or two rune chance, depending if I've played a Mordid Tied Out just for pitching a card is like... Absolutely disgusting. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> but I actually played into just a field of tier one decks, like essentially. Uh, yeah. my round one was, uh, my round one was Prism, actually. Yeah, my round one was Prism, and uh, I won that matchup pretty, it's pretty tough, but I still won it. Um, and it was against a friend. I mean, a lot of people here at the ProQuest are going to be friends. You know, we're all very familiar. Yeah. But, it's a, it's a,
0: yeah. It's a, it's a pretty close knit
1: scene down here. Yeah. There were a few new people I hadn't seen before or I hadn't seen in a while. There's actually a couple of guys who drove down from Orlando and who were there at 10 a.m. They were oh, kind of bummed about Lord. that. Yeah. And they were like, we have to drive home super freaking late. Luckily, they uh, one, of the, one of the other guys I was driving fell out in uh, the fifth, eighth place. So they got to get a head start. Driving home. Uh, but yeah, um I played against a Miami guy in round two on Starvo. And uh I had played actually play tested against him earlier that day uh <laughs> while we were waiting for the ProQuest to start. Uh it, I hate want to play. And uh I won that matchup as well, surprisingly, because I feel like I have a terrible matchup against Starvo. Um but you know, it just sometimes Sometimes decks can break, you know, Um, and sometimes you don't always make the right action. But I think he played really well. Yeah. And then I played it against Jacob. Jacob Kissel from Microsoft. Yeah. What deck was Jacob? Was he on (laughs) Prism? Yeah. Uh, He was on Prism.
0: That makes sense. He's been testing Prism a lot lately. Yeah.
1: And uh, he hit me with that, uh, that old Razzle Dazzle Phantasma Clasm while I have the six power card in hand. I'm running on like, I love that card <laughs> <laughs> It's good, it's really good, uh, and I was kind of just like, Sure, take it, but uh i will I will say that I had a really good start in that game uh felt was feeling good on uh hitting double tome of the Ark Knight successfully uh, yeah. so that was pretty sweet <laughs> that was uh that was a strong turn. I think at the end of that turn. The life totals were about like at a, I don't remember like fifteen point life difference. I think I, uh, I don't know, but I won that one too. Uh, but then I had to face Jonathan. Ah,
0: yeah, God yes, Owens of Pro Tour New Jersey, twenty third place ho- fame.
1: Yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he got me with uh, he got me with uh, Starvo. But we play test so much, dude and i feel like i've gotten only a little bit better against playing at starvo and I, I feel like he has like all the play playtesting
0: he needs <laughs> yeah right i feel like i every time i see john doing really well i just remember all the times in playtesting that i like got there with prism against him i was like oh if only and then i just remember that uh that he smashed he smashed my face in the other 75% of the times so <laughs> That's uh so you know that's a hell of a gauntlet. And so something I want to uh, I something I want to point out, right, is uh so in your prism matchup, right, this sure. deck currently the way it's built only has six poppers, right? You've got the three amplifies and you've got the three runic reclamations. Did you feel like six was enough? Um yeah, uh I I'm usually not really keen on blocking to to, to be
1: honest. That's fair. Uh, But if I have it and I see the opportunity to have a good three card hand, like a good turn with three cards, I'll just pop it. Right. Because they're going to have to use the the resource to because they more than likely blocked something on my turn. Right. If I if I threatened a Mavrian, they probably went, okay, pitch for arcane uh, block a card boots. Right uh and then they kept like a two carter with an arsenal or something and if they pitched a attack with a one cost like Harold or something uh i could block that make them pay for it and then now they have now for the turn are their auras which i'm not terribly scared of um depending on what the situation is hopefully i've been taking care of the auras correctly or ignoring them if i'm super ahead but uh that was the case essentially in that moment that i blocked one of their one of his uh, attacks in that turn uh, but it's not always like necessary to pop their, pop their uh, heralds. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, and sorry. One more thing. And it's also depending <laughs> on like, it also depends on what their soul situation is
0: uh, and yeah, how much okay. resource they
1: have available to them. So like if they already have a really full soul, like if I'm not worried about the damage, I'm not worried about the, the on hit. Right. Cause they're not running vestige anymore. I don't, and to, or Tome, so I don't care like about any like necess- necessities from those triggers or things like that. Um, if they've already been able to leak, if I've already leaked some damage and they've had a soul from like soul shields or, uh, just like, I don't know, large attacks, I just didn't feel like blocking at the time, then I may not feel like blocking any of those. But yeah, it's definitely a, uh,
0: de- situational sort of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. The, um, so the other thing i want to ask you about this deck list right is obviously the unorthodox inclusion here is the uh tome of the ark knight Um, oh yeah so do you feel like i hate that card (laughs) well that answers the question so i was gonna i was gonna (laughs) ask like do you feel like that incremental card advantage that you get kind of helps you with more of a go wide strategy and to see a few more cards like you would have before Skeleta was banned. Like obviously Skeleta is there for the one huge turn, but um, you know it's funny. The thing that I miss the most about Skeleta
1: is the two block. <laughs> that's, that's no, I mean, reasonable. I, honestly, it's uh, that feels like a lie. But it's only because the replacements that we have now aren't that bad. Like I don't feel sometimes like I'm missing like. I sure I can't have degenerate like really like one off turns or like my I do like six attacks or something because Skeletor was that good. But um, you still get to go really wide with other cards like Tunic or uh, or the Iron Weave because the Iron Weave provides you with two resources. And that could mean like a meet and greet and a Rosetta or it can mean a rattle bones followed by, you know, a, a swarming while you have one floating after playing another attack you know like there's a lot that goes on uh with the number two in this deck and it means either uh two ones or rattle bones or a one and a rosetta you know a one cost and a rosetta yeah that makes a lot of sense or a sonata for x is one which then can extend your turn so there's uh there's definitely uh a lot of utility in that equipment, but the problem is that it doesn't block for two. So the one time you really need a block when you have it, it's not there for you.
0: Yeah. It seems like, it seems like getting around that second Herald of Air would be like one of the places it hurts the most. Right. Uh, you can't always rely on Skullcap because you're, you are the aggressor. Yeah. Uh,
1: and in that matchup, you're not worried about the counter on, uh, Skeleta and in, in Guardian against uh, mostly mostly against an elemental guardian. You're always worried about the exposed if they're running that, you know, uh, which I, at this point in my meta, I've already convinced that everyone's running it. So if I was already playing Skeleta, I wouldn't be blocking with it unless I was ready to
0: use it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you sent me your list. I think it's pretty cool. I'm actually probably going to put it together and try it. Yeah, out. Yeah, you know,
1: and look, I I don't want to take full credit for the list because if it was my list, I'd be telling no, you run with it. Nobody's how much I love it. it, and it's my credit. But John Ho it's is been the, the guy
0: Rodriguez, signature <laughs> <me through>
1: Viscerae. <laughs> dude. No, John Ho yeah. is the guy who took this to day two uh, at Pro Tour. Yeah, absolutely. He's actually and, a uh, cow. He's actually a. I think he's a NorCal guy. Uh, Carlos's buddy. And that's where ah, I got the list from. Yeah. Um, cool. It's really good. Uh, something about nine Mavrians, blues, and trills are good. Nine trills, nine Mavrians. Somehow it's good enough. <laughs> yeah. So, absolutely. Three card hands are good.
0: Now, we talked about ranger players. Now, there's one other type of player that I feel like is an archetype in the flesh and blood world. Did you run into any Kanos this weekend?
1: <laughs> you know what? Uh there was the threat of there possibly being a Kano this weekend, but there wasn't. <laughs> it's the threat. No, it's actually odd. As far as uh the data that um as far as the data that Fab TCG has, according to them, there was a very low showing of Kano. Interesting. Yeah, like the overall metagame uh indicates that Kano was a 1.3%. In a pool of everything else. Wow. Which is like
0: crazy.
1: Like, really, like, even if you can acknowledge that Kano only had a great showing in the Pro Tour because nobody respected Arcane, I don't think that stops people from like going full simp mode and just being like, I am now an Aether boy. I'm buying Storm Striders and going to ProQuest with a uh, Alexander Vorlist or a Sasha. I don't know how to pronounce his name, name, uh, list, you know. Uh, yeah, I feel personally. I'm right really so, so I bought so... Storm Striders. Um. <laughs> 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 No, I, I think it's still the right call because we have Icelander, right? And um, yeah. I, I still think Kano's strong. It's just about practicing your AB 3-4 matchups. Like, you don't need to practice your AB 1-2 matchups, right? Like, that's all bread and butter. Like, you got it or you don't got it. The yeah. real skill comes down to practicing your, your AB three, four matches. Cause those are the toughest games to take. Yeah. How does Levia have a stronger showing than Kano? It's crazy. I'm, I'm still shocked by, it, even though I, I know like, you know, I'm shocked that people came to that conclusion. That many people came to that
0: conclusion, but, um, no. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, so I was thinking about this, uh, and one thing that I'm seeing over and over again, and I don't know if it's necessarily right, although, it, if I'm being honest, it kind of feels right here. Everybody I know that has decided that they are now a wizard, that they are going to Hogwarts, that they are all about that whiz life, uh-huh. they are all trying to buy an Eye of Ophidia right now. and That's um, kind of funny. Maybe that people just feel like they're uncomfortable running the deck without Eye of Aphidia, Like obviously it's kind of interesting, right? Because a lot of these legendaries aren't that powerful. And I think about I've been thinking about this all week because I really wanted to bring it up and have a discussion about it. But Eye of Aphidia specifically almost feels like it crosses it crosses that threshold into like magic the gathering power nine territory. Um you sort of
1: yeah. I I see it. I see it. But the the difference with the fables are is that like the game is built on like attacking like trading blows and blocking, and the fact that it doesn't block and make a massive difference. And not just that, but in the Kano deck in particular, the fact that it doesn't do anything when you rip it off the top on Kano's ability really, uh, really essentially like is it makes it out of the question for a lot of players. Um, I, I I can see both arguments, right, for playing it and pl- and against playing it. I'm personally a for playing it because flashy cards have strong <laughs> abilities, like Arc Knight Shard. <laughs> but I think you do. There's a reasonable. You're already playing Kana, right? This yeah. is like the gamble deck. Other than like di- rolling dice every single turn with Reinar, but. Um, <laughs> This is like the gamble deck, right? You're you decided you came here and decided to run no block equipment. And 30 life so that you can nuke somebody from orbit, right? I don't yeah. think you should be that concerned with running a single out of 60 cards with card. There are I ton agree. of there are a ton of with cards in that deck already, even if you do, even if you can play them like one resource for one damage or two damage is like nothing you got to run the blues anyways, right? At least it does do damage, which is great when you're have an ether wildfire turn, but for a lot of people that's still a whiff, like for players like that need it in the pinch moment where they're trying to win the game, that's still a whiff. So I think the Imo video provides an insane amount of value for like a minor but game costing, you know, advantage. This or disadvantage rather, you know, if you're considering the uh,
0: downside. So this is interesting, right? And I want to know what you think about this because I kind of went through the same process when thinking about Eye of Ophidia where initially I thought it was super overpowered. Then I thought about the downsides of hitting it with Kano. Um, Basically, you get to pitch for three and when Uh you do, you opt two. So the effects are combined. However, I feel like running a second potion of Deja Vu is better, in my opinion. It could be. I mean, and some decks do.
1: Like that's the thing. Like it's it. The th- the thing is that pot can be played off the top if you hit it, but it also doesn't block either. So uh, I don't know. It's I understand the argument, and I get it. If you want to be, if you want to maximize the efficiency, right? Like well, that's it. what Kano's all about. It's the well, tuning the deck the to the, the numbers deck. crunching the numbers perfectly, but. I do also understand the idea the principle behind going like balls to the wall and being like I'm going to run this card if it kills me or it wins me games like I understand that mentality and it really is a strategic decision to do that because you that are you're, you're you're leveraging your ability to block and your ability to have a playable card off the top of your deck every turn for the chance to um essentially search the top two cards of the deck for whatever you want whenever you activate Kano's ability when you have that card so which is like an immensely powerful effect so much so you don't run a skull cap you run a card that blocks for nothing and does that effect once
0: yeah that makes sense
1: Huh. So in my mind, that's, I think it's, it, it, I think I can't argue either way. I can't argue against, I can't say it's, no, someone's wrong for running it or not running it. It's a personal choice.
0: Huh. Right on. That's,
1: that's just how, uh, that's just how I, I value that card. Um. Other, the Fable, other fables are different cases in different decks. Yeah. Like they're, they're very different fair. arguments in different decks but for Kano like uh, particularly
0: uh i have a video is the the most like playable one yeah that makes sense to me especially like kano ability opt two is pretty disgusting Oh, for sure um,
1: and um, um you know even at uh you know it, even at pro tour i'm pretty sure they were running the i have a i was mistaken right pretty yeah, sure that was pitched the,
0: on camp uh, both alexander vore and um and Sasha Markovich, they both were running Eye of Ophidia, Um, where uh, Sasha Markovich was running one potion of Deja Vu. Alexander Vore was running two. Um, they tested those decks together. So the little differences in their deck lists are actually and right. It's probably their
1: personal preference, right? Like someone might have felt yeah. more comfortable with another pot, pot in their deck. Or where somebody else uh, was like more like, I just need one. Um yeah. But yeah, like I like that's what I like about this game is that like with the sheer like compared to magic, right? Where like there's very few cards in the card pool for people to play with, and there are still like minute differences between deck lists that still make the decks like very different in some yeah, really in some really ways than others. Yeah, sideboards make a huge difference too. Um and of course, like certain matchups and the way you the way you see your meta can influences the influence those decisions to sideboard certain cards in or out. Uh
0: like playing Shock Charmers and Bravo, star of the show. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is uh that is Jonathan's signature card at the moment, it appears. Yeah, I mean, he killed me with it in uh ProQuest. Damn. So I, I
1: I mean I didn't I was dead anyways, but I totally missed that. <laughs> He had uh, Starvo fused and uh, sent the dominated attack. And I was like, yeah, I can live if I block with my equipment and this card in hand. I've got like one life left. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And then he goes, shock-tiny. pitch, 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 shock, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you got it. Never mind. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still made top four, I though. I still got to get top eight. I played uh, against the Bravo Starvo player again, the other one. Uh, and I won that match again. And then I played against Lexi. And uh that was an insanely close game. Um that game was so close, it came down to the wire uh one and one, like literally one and one. I just had to draw the right hand, and that was it. I just couldn't though. And then I was I was getting pressured every single turn with arrows, and uh eventually they drew the yard of war for the instant speed plus one after I had full block.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's I feel like that's a both decks kind of go wide and Lexi can kind of turtle a little bit more against Viserai. So I I actually I mean, there's probably not enough data, but I wonder what the per actual percentage is on Lexi versus Viserai. Like, did you feel like either deck was favored? Um, it honestly depended how
1: we play. I, In my opinion, that in this one specific game, like without generalizing the matchup, In this one particular played game, I think it came down to how both players played and whether or not like one of us misplayed one place or another, Um, because I felt like I had an opportunity to. To like if I if I reround time and played a turn differently, sequenced it differently, like one attack before the other, I could have changed uh, the way that the Lexi player. uh, uh, What's the word? Assessed the game state, right? That's fair. Because I had presented a card off of a reveal effect and I didn't play it immediately. I played another card at first. So they had the information what was in my hand, but I did it because I wanted to see what, if they would block a red moth attack. Because if I, they didn't and they were greedy, I could have punished them for it. But the thing is, I hadn't considered that they would think that too and just totally decide... Here's my new horizons, and here's this card. So, um, I mean, it's it still got us really close, and it ended up just being about who drew the rest, who drew the right cards, and whether the ranger player bricked. Because I was on the back foot thing for like the last five turns of the game, blocking every attack. Bam! So but yeah. it was very close, but he got it, and then uh, Prism ended up uh,
0: taking the win. Colby. Huh. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's good to see. I mean, like, obviously that Lexi list is a force to be reckoned with, taking it all the way to the finals. Um, now, you know, what's interesting, Matt, is hearing you re- recap this pro uh, this pro quest, right? <laughs> um, and there is a there is a certain hero that we haven't heard about, and that is the current boogeyman of the meta. And that's Chain. Uh, was Shane there at all? Yes. So Shane actually was represented
1: there by I think one or two players, but he made top eight. He actually played against Colby uh, in the five to eighth, the quarterfinals. Right. Um, nice. Colby won that one, and it was because uh, he forced the the Shane made a, a little bit of a misplay, but of course he didn't have that kind of information to know that an ALS was waiting. Uh, but you know, you're playing against Ranger, you're playing against Prism, you haven't seen one all game. Uh I mean, you may be safe to assume that you could just expect one to come. Uh, they had seven shackles. And they had, I think, like, I don't know, from what Colby was telling me, they had five blood dead or something, seven like that. And uh they played a minnowism out of their out of their uh arsenal. And then he was like, Okay, ALS. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was the, oh, that uh, great. <laughs> that was bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: the shame player ended up taking seven damage on his blood debt on that turn, uh, forced to block out the next turn, uh, hit like, I don't know what amount of blood debt on the next turn took like 14 or like 10 or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my took God. like 15 damage to his own effects. So it was pretty bad. Um, but you know, I think that was just, unfortunate timing on his part and probably like just bad luck and probably just maybe poor assessment of the game state. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's hard to hard to know that that's coming, but if you play a game long enough, you know, you've seen, you've seen like zero Arclight Sentinels come out all game card in Arsenal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it's, uh, it's worth, uh, it's worth playing uh, around. That kind of effect because it's not too difficult for Shane to do so. Like he at least he has an out if he if it's not there, you know he's got creepers. So, but yeah, uh, Shane was there. He did not make it past quarterfinals, and then uh, yeah, the rest uh, we've just discussed.
0: Huh. So yeah, that's. I mean, that sounds like a this this meta is pretty cool right now. It seems to be wide open, which is not something I think a lot of people were expecting. I think a lot of people were expecting a rock, paper, scissors meta for the next month, um yeah. at least. Briar it, also, by the way, I forgot to
1: mention was in our top eight. So oh yeah. Two, two prisms, uh a Shane, Lexi, Briar, Viseraye, and uh two Starvos.
0: Huh. These decks are all over the place. That's fascinating to me. And what even like Reinar won a ProQuest this week, right? Yes, he did. Oh, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that man. Reinar
1: Reiner pulling through in uh Shailin. I don't I don't know if I'm pronounced that correctly, but uh, I sure I sure tried. Huh. Well over okay. in good Taiwan.
0: That's fascinating. That's really cool because I don't know. I really like Reinar. I think he's really cool. And it's nice to see him do well, even if it like requires him to get insanely lucky for that to happen. Well,
1: I don't know. It might've had something to do with his tech in his deck. Oh yeah. Um, he true. ran heart of final. I'm sure that helped a lot. Gaining a little life on the back, fo- on the back foot all game. I actually until, haven't uh, seen this list until the Starvos kind of ran out of gas, but uh, you know, it's funny, funny enough. There are only two Starvos in that top eight and yes. there are two Katsus in that top eight, which is crazy. Yes
0: yeah oh my goodness he played yeah, against yeah, Lexi, Lexi in the finals in Second. Yeah. two Starvos two Ka- the Katsus are insane I gotta look at those deck lists and then you have
1: Bonehead Barrier in his deck list which is kind of funny I don't know if I've ever seen a, a Reiner top 8 or can even get first with a Bonehead Barrier in their deck yeah right but I'm sure that's uh, that's tech for some kind of like Starvo
0: or like Lexi kind of deal yeah, absolutely. That actually makes a lot of sense as, you know, like a on hit <laughs> effect. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh? No club, the, though, which I think could have been a mistake. No club, huh? Just running claws? I feel like I've been seeing that a lot recently. Just claws? Yeah. I don't agree. I
1: think clubs, uh, valuable. There's a lot of value in, uh, a two cost, uh, four attack. Four is no, a really fair. special number.
0: Four is a special number. It's one of the first four. It so, is. Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Even in the I, uh, first five, believe it or not. <laughs> top ten.
1: The
0: uh <laughs> top ten numbers. Number one. One. <laughs> I kind of like obviously I don't have a hard to find all, but I uh I kind of want to put this. I kind of want to put this uh I, I have a hard to find together. All. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's the future. There
1: you go. So uh yeah, I
0: don't know, man. The Reiner decklist is pretty sweet. Yeah. So I actually, so something happened this weekend. I I didn't take a judge call, but I came across a judge call. Yeah. Which is interesting. So a judge call made it to Twitter because no one was sure what to do in this situation. Um, and what I thought was really interesting is even amongst uh, judges, nobody knew what to do. And what had happened was uh, this weekend at a ProQuest, the top eight semifinals ended in a stalemate between oh. Bolton and Lexi where both decks were exhausted and neither one could kill the other. Huh. And um, everyone was searching far and wide for a fix. Uh, I actually found the fix um, on the official Judge Discord. I guess this had happened two weeks ago. Um, and Matt, this is fascinating. Just off the top of your head, what do you think the fix would be? But could you describe the situation? Okay, so it's a top 8 match. Yeah. Both decks have no cards left. Both heroes are completely exhausted. Do they have cards in hand? Nobody has cards in hand. How does And this neither happen? player, neither player can kill the other player. Lexi versus who? Bolton. What the f- Life totals are Bolton at eight, Lexi at one. Oh my god!
1: So Bolton had his go off turn. Lexi was uh, Lexi was able to block it, and then that's why he's at a higher life total. And then she ran out of cards, and he ran out of cards. Ran out of cards before she ran out out of life. Attack with Raiden, huh? Hmm. So I'm just, I'm. It had to have been like a situation where they are both playing on like minimal card blocks and attacks to have to have to be in a spot where like no one has any pitch for anything. I mean, okay, so I guess yeah, Lexi could yeah, be. That's where the game's at. Lexi could be stuck with no arrows and only uh, pitch. Right? She has no weapon.
0: Right. No yeah, real I weapon. Yeah, I believe the Lexi player was down to two cards in deck, but no arrows. And the so, Bolton player had no no cards at all. I don't want to say I don't want to say cards because that's irrelevant. Um, cards in deck, right? I don't. Yeah, think no that's cards relevant. in deck or cards um, in hand for Bolton, so no
1: ability to pitch. I want to say that it came down to life totals. Okay. Am I am I wrong? I, I yeah. think I'm wrong.
0: But so here's what the fix was. Sure. They start a new game from scratch. No fucking way. <laughs> that is from LSS in the judge discord when this happened two weeks ago. Oh. So I was able to chime in like a good little Boy Scout judge and just be like the proper fix is you restart the game from scratch. <laughs> so, <laughs> How did you uh, what were you met with? <laughs> so, other than, other than just <laughs> so this was on this was on uh, we've got a couple friends that are part of this. this was this was on the official Team Kitchen Fable Twitter yeah. page, I guess. They were playing at this. So I was immediately met with a like and props to whoever was judging this came up with the same resolution. I guess they must have looked through the judge discord and found the official resolution. Nice. Uh, So, yeah. Can you imagine, though? That's odd, man. You every all the top eight rounds are finished. (laughs) You're waiting on this long ass Bolton Lexi match to finish. And they got to play you again. you sitting there and it's like, oh yeah, they're going to start from scratch. That's terrible, dude. <laughs> I would just
1: delete myself. It's just like, I don't want to be in this game anymore. Just give first place to
0: one of those two. <laughs> just order, yeah, you just order a pizza at that point, right? Oh my God. So yeah, so fascinating. Uh, Jeez. And thank God for Discord's um, search function where you can just kind of like go in anything that's helpful a lot oh absolutely i do like how it was like complicated enough a situation that they tagged james white in the post (laughs) just in case i mean like you've done it you know did he just did he just comment bloody hell mate (laughs) it's just like it it looks like you came together for a great game i don't know i'm sorry that was an australian accent anyway (laughs) I um, wasn't very New Zealand of you. Yeah, there there were too many vowels. But that yeah, the you know, Reinhardt
1: being in a first place was really interesting. And other than like weird decks making top eight, Azalea made a top eight on May 14th, 2022 in Germany. I mean, I mean, I don't know how to if I can trust this source. <laughs> Even a broken <laughs> clock is right once every two years. But, like, here's the thing. Um, I don't know how much they're covering, how much data they're able to get on ProQuest Season 2 uh, metagame on Fab TCG because they published this data. Um, and they don't have that recorded here. They don't have an Azalea Top 8 recorded on uh, Week 1 metagame data, which is weird because it started on the 14th
0: yeah, right? I wonder if they uh I wonder if they're just still processing them from some areas or some places we just kind of uh like submitting slowly, you know? I don't know. I mean I, I don't really know. I I don't know how to explain
1: it, but this is uh <laughs> I mean is a really a legit 80? this no is a legit pro quest that happened. Uh Lewis Toafels, uh maybe it was an eight man uh pro quest and that's why he's uh in the top eight. But uh yeah. yeah, he brought Azalea and the list is uh not what I would consider standard but of course yeah. what's what's a standard Azalea deck, right? Everyone's trying to uh pathfind here, right? Everyone's uh, breaking of-
0: new ground. Ooh, he's running oh my goodness, man. Yeah? What the real tech behind this deck and Eastern? the thing that cannot go it th- there's no New Horizon. Oh, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't They're play New Horizon cross-rap. and Azalea at all. They're running cross right Yeah, you don't run. As, you, you can't run.
1: That's the thing. That's how you know that you don't play Azalea, is that you can't play New Horizon don't and don't Azalea. Azalea. <laughs> 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 <He's> just <laughs> confidently, of course, I don't play New Azalea. I've no, never played Ranger in my life. So, Anything? yeah, it it actually is funny, but New Horizon is actually... Terrible in Azalea. So I'll tell you why. Um the effect that crossbone skullbone cross wraps has is once per turn action, turn a face down card in your arsenal face up, right? Opt one go again. If you could have two helmets, that'd be amazing, right? Because you just turn one face yeah. up. Oh look, here's another arsenal zone. But uh just not having the opting effect on Skullbone to turn a card face up is uh is it sucks because you can't opt for uh, azalea's ability to check the top that makes sense and uh additionally uh you only have an ar- extra arsenal zone when you have a face-up card in your arsenal now you're saying maybe to yourself that uh oh yeah uh dread Boar and death dealer put a uh an arrow card into my arsenal right Fa- face up right so now it gives me an extra arsenal zone sure that that, sense, that works for so. dreadbore yeah, i, I see what you're saying with death dealer it says if you have no cards in your arsenal you may put an arsenal card arrow card from your hand into your arsenal so new horizons is only useful de- with uh, dreadbore and uh on top of that any reload effect from like padding helix or from uh and shot they say reload which the text on reload is literally put uh Put a card from your hand uh, into your, put a card from your hand face down to your arsenal if you have no cards in your arsenal.
0: Uh, So once you have a
1: card in your arsenal, you can't reload at all, even if you have an extra arsenal zone.
0: Okay, that makes sense then.
1: Okay. I mean, it's helpful if you're playing some sort of like control your deck, like control your version. So you can have like an arrow and like a react in your arsenal or something like that. Uh, but I still don't see it being good in the, uh, the actually like attacking deck. And this is an attacking deck for the most part.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate because, <laughs> uh, 10, 10 bucks and build this list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you, you need know? 30 for the skullbone cross wraps. Don't forget. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And funny enough with as, as bad as people, as people say Ranger is like her cards are actually expensive.
0: For yeah. some reason,
1: like I uh, the
0: three of a kinds,
1: the remorseless um, three of a kind, those are all pretty expensive. Even like uh, battering bolts, like four bucks a piece, I think three bucks a piece.
0: See, it's the it's the Ranger Colt, man.
1: <laughs> <They're> <laughs> I'm sure it. razor reflexes. I've seen a little spike recently, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't checked, but I bet. Oh, it has. You mean rain
0: razors, rather?
1: Did I, what did I say? Razor reflex. Oh, was like, rain oh, razors. Tentative. My bad. <laughs> it doesn't help there's two cards in the deck named razor something there's too many razors not enough arrows
0: <laughs> interesting
1: oh you know what i just thought of we should start a little uh sorry on a little side note but <laughs> you know how uh magic judges do like dagger check yeah we should keep
0: rain razors in our uh wallets Ooh, yeah we got to find a card for the That's razor check some sort of judge card yeah it might be rain raising, I don't it's think there's a dagger word. card in the game. Is there a dagger card in Flesh and Blood? Uh, there's only the um, whatever it is. It's from Crucible. Oh, you know we can just run a Zephyr Needle. Yeah, yeah, Zephyr Needle. I mean, Kadachi technically counts. It's a dagger. It does, but it's it's a sword. Like we know it's a sword. It's it's is legally it, a dagger. I don't uh, know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Needle. It's definitely got to be needle. Right. That's a, that's a hundred percent a sword. Um, that is, <laughs> it's actually it
1: like proverbially, like the needle actually is perfect because you're needling them like you're daring yeah, right? them. But on top of that, it, it has to be defended by a card with toughness greater than its power. So their knowledge has to be greater than the question you present to them. In order for it to break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually phenomenal. This is so flavorful. I love it. Oh, Although I got a foil that. Zephyr needle somewhere here. Yeah, now we need to order a thousand of them. <laughs> <laughs> and just give them out at the first uh, Flesh and Blood conference. Yeah.
0: Imagine that's well, the judge promo. <laughs> the foil Zephyr needle? I mean, it yeah. might as well, right? All right, so we got one. We, there's a big release coming out this week, right? Mm-hmm. We have the dual decks, the classic battles, the greatest battle of all time. The first widely available lore book uh, that is full color and included with this set. We have classic battles. Reinar versus Dorinthia. Matt, you told me you were so excited for this. You could hardly sleep.
1: Um, I think I think maybe that is a version of the story that probably didn't occur. <laughs> but you know i'm not unexcited for it you know like i think it's cool um i'm just like a little underwhelmed if i'm being honest yeah um, i don't I, I appreciate what it's doing for the game right like don't get me wrong i appreciate the product uh i just don't think it's for me um cool. and which is fine it's perfectly fine honestly um i want this product to exist and i may even want to own it at some point but i'm not gonna like volunteer to sit down and play this uh I yeah. would teach somebody the game with this um or, yeah. as far we haven't seen deck lists so like of course I may be speaking too soon there might be some really sweet tech in here but it's a lot a of it seems pretty basic from what we see now nah, right <laughs> definitely an effect we need to teach new players that they oops you can play your toughen up on my command and conquer I don't get it why can't I
0: then you have it's to explain reign. yeah uh car text the um Okay, so I'm really excited for this dual deck uh, for one reason, and that's I have taught so many people how to play Flesh and Blood. Um, I, it's upwards of 20 people at this point, and I am... Oh, yeah. Matt, I am so sick of playing the Ira Welcome deck. I, I don't think I would ever want to teach somebody how to play with Ira Decks.
1: Oh, I would want God. to teach them with uh, Starter Blitz Decks.
0: There's just so many times where I, I, I just... There's so many... Oh, God. I I can't even... I can't even... There's so, so many times where I've had to explain everything in that deck that I'm just... I'm over it. I'm over the Ira Welcome decks, and I think this is a beautiful replacement for it. And I usually I, keep two of them on me. I'm going to change it to these.
1: You know, I think that there are good... This is a great starting point for... um. <laughs> For new players of the game, but. Sorry. Um, I think that the Ira welcome decks aren't terrible. I don't think they'll be obsoleted. I think they're good for people who don't necessarily have a background in trading card games. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense
1: to me. Um, and if you do have at least some kind of magic experience, I've had success teaching magic players this game using uh, the starter blitz decks of the first four heroes. Right. So there are like official deck lists online. Oh, yeah. You yeah, can throw yeah, them yeah. together. They're really cheap. Uh, they're like commoner decks, essentially, with like a couple brares. Uh, and they do a fantastic job of d- displaying the effects in the game and the uniqueness of every hero without like dumbing everything down to just saying power three attack go again and here's a weapon for one you know like without simplifying it so far down like where every turn feels the same and then your that opponent's playing sense. the same thing but this I think is maybe like the the uh, 1.5 of that right where like you're playing with actually strong cards with you know a, a, vari- a variable of effects right it seems yeah. as far as from what we've seen in terms of what's been spoiled so far, um, you know, even the weapon like Domblade Resplendent and some of the other cards that we've seen, the effects seem basic enough, but also intricate enough to keep people's attention, right? Because that's another thing yeah. that a lot of players that I've seen join the game uh, is that sometimes it depends on the person, right? Because some people need to be have their handheld and shown like the very basics of the game right first off but then some people like once they've gone that like they're immediately going to pick like their favorite hero or the thing that looks the coolest and they're going to gravitate towards that and they're going to be like i need to play this so this is all i want to play please stop showing me how to play with like basic blitz decks right yeah. basic battle decks because so like you know as an example like there's a guy locally who Uh, learned how to play the game and then he was immediately like he picked up all the mechanics and everything and he's like I'm playing Kano and we're like don't do that he's like I don't care I really love the idea of this deck and this is 100% like this I want to play this this makes me excited to play the game and that's where I realized I'm like that's the most important part right because he'll learn it if he really wants to play it like he will learn it like I have no doubt about that right it's not that it's not impossible to do If you're new to the game, it just requires a lot of patience, a lot of getting your ass kicked at an armory, but absolutely you will eventually learn the game. So I don't always think that a starter product that's bare bones is the best way to teach somebody and get them into the game. But sometimes it's okay, which is why I love, I I like the idea that they're presenting these as a new tier of like introduction to the game, like a new way, right? To teach people the game, because the Ira decks, I don't think they're being replaced. And I don't think that just her, it. this, I don't think that this replaces the experience of just handing somebody a, a more bare bones deck and teaching them with that, you know, or, or building them a basic deck with their favorite looking hero. Like I like the way she looks or this guy's ability sounds cool. You know, I think that all of these are really good ways to enter into the game.
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Like, uh, cause I, I actually, I haven't had a chance to use them yet, but I built a handful of commoner decks uh, for the same purpose, um, just uh, completely out of my disdain for playing the Iron Welcome deck. <laughs> I uh, So yeah, I think you're right, though. That is the key to it, is getting excited about a hero. And I found that most of the people that I taught how to play were just, they were curious about the game, where they were just like, well, what's this all about? More than they were like, oh, I can't wait to play Flesh and Blood. For sure, yeah. And so I, I feel like that's what ended up happening with me using I welcome decks to teach people. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think I think you're right, though, that you have to identify with a hero to want to play the game. Like before I ever knew how to play or wanted to pick up a card, I was just like, oh, prism looks dope. Gold's my favorite color. Exactly, down. dude. That's that's
1: amazing, because that's the thing that like that's what pretty much like ties, you know, m- most trading card players together is that. Like, a a shared love for, like, the art, for the effects, for the heroes, right? Like, as soon as I saw, like... As soon as... The second I laid my eyes on Viserai, I knew for a fact, I was like... I don't even know what his effects do. I already know that that's my main. Like, I just see him, I'm like... He could be the worst hero in the game. He doesn't look like he is. But that's already my favorite hero. And immediately, I was like, buy a box of Arcane Rising. I don't... I, I will say... That This may not be like totally relevant, but like when I first like sh- shelled out the money for the Arcane Rising box and it was in my hand, I hadn't played a single game of Flesh and Blood. But I think I was probably like the most excited I have ever been in like the last like couple months when I first like touched that box because I'm like, this is something new. Right. Yeah. I was so freaking excited. Like, oh, at that point, probably at that point, I'd already committed to be, like, being a player of this game like you know it it, i can remember the feeling vividly last year where i was like this feels right like this is so cool
0: yeah i actually i gotta think about that what was the first box i opened um because i had just been like i'd just been buying like random boosters here and there at my lgs um and i miraculously got a fantastical footsteps doing that like in the first right? Yeah, so I was buying Monarch, but I'm trying to think like the first actual like sealed box I bought. And I think it was either Wraith or Monarch first edition because those were the two boxes that I bought uh, to start with. And um, I don't know. That's interesting. God, I've got no memory of that. That's unfortunate. Uh, It was probably Monarch, though, because I was just buying a lot of Monarch at the time. Yeah, it I sounds like card. I think from what you've
1: told me, I think it was Monarch because you said like, oh yeah, it's first edition. You got a good price on it.
0: Yeah, you opened it yeah, up it and you got for 150 like bucks in December. Yeah, hell yeah, that wasn't bad. That's great.
1: <laughs> Still 150 bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know the the dual deck actually they have some really cool cards in them, and uh, we have a few pictures here of uh, some spoilers. I don't really, I don't know if I'd call them leaks or they're not official, but um,
0: or taken you know. with a smartphone yeah I mean it's it's actually
1: clear though the pictures are not (laughs) blurry from like a video (laughs) screenshot Um, the Dawnblade Resplendent actually says uh, it's a two power one attack and the second time you attack with Dawnblade each turn it gets plus one until end of turn doesn't
0: get a counter yeah
1: which is a a, little
0: a little weak it's, it's nerfed a little yeah which, I mean, the Reinar weapon is also nerfed, right? If I'm correct. I haven't seen it as clearly, um, but I believe it's not as good as the club. We thought when we read it, because it was blurry, we thought it
1: read one-handed weapon, pay hey, two, attack for four. And if that's what it said, dear God. like Oh, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, because you can run a lantern with it. Huh. But yeah. no, it's not what it says uh i wish it was actually it seemed like it was a two-handed right but it's so small it's like a little club i don't get it why would they why would they just not do the other club the token weapon club
0: i guess it's more just having these decks balanced against each other right that has to be it probably (laughs) interesting you know and then um she Dorinthia
1: has some basic like attack reactions here and uh warrior like buff stuff you know like one cost uh your next warrior your we- next weapon attack gets plus 3 go again I don't know if there's anything like that already just yeah. better huh um then there are, are what's interestingly enough uh some generic uh reactions defense and attack yes. reactions And uh, what's unique about this is that we have attack reactions that reference swords that aren't named uh,
0: Razor Reflex. Exactly. And I found uh, this. You mentioned this to me before we started recording, and it looks like you are ready for the Talishar meta. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Nebula Blade. Who's about heard it. of it? Talishar Meta.
1: Stop. Don't tell them already. Dang it. <laughs> Keep it low <No> profile. <laughs> Nebula Blade right. coming at you for eight to an armory near you soon. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> gross. They're uh, sitting there playing around real cards. Right. Jeez. <laughs> Attack reactions in, in Rune Blade? What are you doing? Um oh, yeah, there's like a, a weak Razor's reflex. It's like pl- one cost red sword attack gets plus three. But then there's some really cool, unique stuff that we've got, uh, like a yellow, uh, pitch, uh, action that costs zeros your next sword attack. This turn gets gains. Go again, go again. And this is a uh, generic mind you just to remind you there. Uh, that means you can play it in anything. You can play it in viscerai You can play it in, uh, any room blade. Uh, who else uses a sword? You can play it in, uh, I don't know who uses a sword. Um, cavdane
0: talishar. <laughs> talishar. <laughs> it all comes back to talishar. It all comes back to talishar. Um, yeah, I guess it really, <laughs> you know, because now that we've decided that Kadachi's not a sword for all the reasons edge. Autumn's Edge. Oh, uh, yeah, Autumn's it already edge. has go again, though. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs>
1: Uh, Visit the blacksmith is a cool one. (laughs) Zero cost blue pitch. Next sword attack gets plus one. Go again. Yeah. Blade flash instant speed. uh, Sorry. Reaction. Go again on a sword. Or one blue pitch. And then you you mentioned this and I didn't even I didn't even uh, realize it until you pointed it out. Um, It looks like they're uh, going to be changing defense reactions and how they appear in the game.
0: Yeah, which I think is a really good thing when it comes to teaching the game. I think they uh, for something that has such a unique effect and can only be used at certain times, uh, it needed to stand out differently. Um, So that way you can just because now they're putting in that watermark in the text box. So now when you're playing a new player, you can just be like, if there's a watermark in the text box, now you can defend with it from your armory. Because I feel like, or yeah, Arsenal rather. And I feel like that's the hardest thing to explain to new players. Yeah, I think I definitely have had the most confusion explaining this to players uh,
1: when it comes to playing cards out of arsenal, because the way I usually try to explain it, I don't know how you how the wording that you use, but I usually say something along the lines of uh, you may. You may not pitch. Or. um, Yeah, it's like you cannot pitch anything out of your arsenal. You can only play cards and you cannot block out of your arsenal. However, defense reactions can be played from arsenal, even if they are going to defend. Huh. Right. But I also have explaining it that way has also caused a confusion in which uh, one of my friends thought that he could just play a defense reaction for its effect and not block with it. Or not necessarily that it has to block with it. So I guess there's a little confusion in explaining it that way. But I do like now that it has a little reminder text, this uh, toughen up one that has uh, the little shield in the middle. That sort of gives the player a better indication of how to play it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's yeah, it's it's the hardest thing to explain to new players, like really anything with the arsenal, just because the arsenal is so foreign. It's not really like any other card game. where you just get to have a secret card. Just for know. you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, additionally, something that is
1: meta changing, totally changes the definition of Flesh and Blood. Titanium
0: Bobble. Yes. The blue bobble of our dreams. The ball of steel. The titanium bobble. And this uh, bobble is for free. Cool. It does. Um... And it's fascinating. I I wonder. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I wonder if it is actually going to function the same way as the cracked bobble, or if you will be limited to well, co- like to two or three copies in your deck. In 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 limited formats, I believe it will not be legal
1: unless they replace the cracked bobble in uh, draft with a. Uh, the titanium bubble now here's something i may have already uh proposed beforehand whether it was on our uh, on the podcast or off uh, off record um i like the idea of obsoleting cracked baubles and replacing them with these oh yeah i i'm a fan i don't know what the implications are But I'm a fan of these over Cracked Baubles. So like if you're playing a limited format and you didn't have enough cards to fill your deck, you could place these. Interesting. But what does that mean? Okay, so now more than the more I think about it, the more I'm like more uh, torn about it, right? So let's say like maybe could you legally just play a bunch of Cracked Baubles in your deck if you wanted to? I mean, I don't know if you can. Well, I think the ruling is that if you actually want to talk about like official sanction, like format stuff, I think the ruling is that you only fill up crack bobbles up to the difference of non-playable cards you don't have. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. So like, if you couldn't just be like, I'm going to run, you know, 30 crack bobbles because I want to. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't think you can do that. So... My, my only concern would be like, if you could do that, what would stop somebody from just saying, I'm going to run 30 titanium baubles, have perfect blocks every turn, and then just swing my, of my weapon every turn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting, right? Because I feel like having to resort to a bobble should, should kind of be a punishment, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, that's why I'm like not convinced that these, Will replace them in booster packs, but I'm more of like questioning what if this yeah. would replace the limited format
0: like sort of like uh shoe in for error, not having I enough mean, parts. It'd be so much easier to live like the weird uh bobbled dream. Yeah. With uh <laughs> you know, and accidentally break something with it. <laughs> I mean it does block for three. This is cool. I really do like that. Yeah. It's very I, interesting. Yeah huh i don't know i'm curious to see that i'm of everything they've spoiled i feel like i'm most interested in these um just because of the implications they could end up having and because it's kind of a weird include you know what i mean if it doesn't do anything else Mm -hmm. like if it doesn't have any effect on the greater game at large yeah go figure well, yeah, I'm excited the, for those. The Brute deck,
1: actually, I think there's maybe one or two cards here that uh, might be good enough for some classic constructed play or, you know, whatever, Blitz, whatever flavor you like um, of format. But uh, I believe that this card pack call is actually not terrible at all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, look, there are so... I, and magic, right, uh, as a good translation, like I like effects, right, that can trigger when you don't have to play the card, right? Like Dredge, for example, right? Like I get a benefit because I chose not to play this card and I blocked with it or I discarded it to an effect, you know, or like Madness, right? Or like I discarded it and now I get a, a bonus like Beast Within, right? Or Massacre, that sort of thing. And, beast, and, and Brute's all about that. So I when you see pack call and its effect, when you defend with pack call, immediately I was drawn. when I read that and I was like, reveal the top card of your deck. If it has six or more power, put it on top of your deck. Otherwise, put it on the bottom.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that card's incredibly good. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not enough filtering and brute right now. And it blocks for three. Yeah, right. And the thing is, like, you're
1: taking you're essentially playing effect like some even if there's a minute effect, you're you're getting to play an effect just for blocking. Yeah, like you're getting rewarded for blocking here and it's to fix the top card of your deck. So you don't just draw like red pummel when you really don't want to or like your your uh, your whiff cards, you know, like you're dodging them and they'll just go to the bottom of your deck. Yeah. I do, agree. you know?
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: And, uh, it's really cool because there are some other effects that happen like, that say, draw a card and then discard a card, and you want to make sure the top's is a 6 power. When you're like, oh, I really don't hope I draw a uh, you know, a card that's not 6 power or that's a non-attack action, and now my opponent has like a 1 in 3 chance to with me. You know what I mean? Like, that always feels bad. You know what's funny? That actually happened on, uh, Oh man uh, on uh, the stream that uh, the stream like clip that Jacob shared on the chat the other day when he was playing brute <laughs> he played wild ride and he drew into a barraging shuffled his hand and then of course the opponent picked the non-attack action <laughs> and he didn't get go Oof. again <laughs> but it was a three card hand and if he had blocked with a pack call on that turn before he would have been able to see oh that's a that's a barraging I need to put that to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny you know like i think backhaul is great and i think you know i actually think it's even better in uh i think it's even better in levia because levia wants those six powers so badly like she needs like she's like digging for them you know and she wants to make sure she has the six powers so she turns her blood dead off she doesn't want the sharks come knocking
0: at her door yeah right That that's interesting i maybe this does see play although the issue I have with these cards seeing play is that, um, you know, the, uh, Availability. <laughs> the fact you need to buy three of these. You know, I will,
1: I'm willing to bet that that's not a problem because you got to remember that these are brute cards.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, brute mains, but it's true. Yeah. I'm sorry you got to play cheap decks, okay? Be happy. Yeah. Be happy you're not
0: a be happy you're not a Rune Blade or a Guardian right now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I am excited for the armory kit that comes a, that comes with these. That is oh, sure, phenomenal. Uh we're getting our replacement for heart and cross strap, apparently, in the uh in the diet tunic is what I've been calling it. But I'm I I'm like sure diet I'm, tunic. I'm, I'm That's funnier. a good way to describe it. It's diet tunic. It's sweeping not, the nation. You know,
1: I wouldn't. I would not uh, compare it to Tunic because it's not an instant effect. That's true. So uh, just remember that, kiddos. You're gonna want it that resource to floating. Own
0: Acteon phase.
1: Yep, and you've got to have it floating already if you want to use it to react or do something at instant speed. Because if you don't got an action point, you're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, well,
0: that's, that's the one thing
1: know. I miss about Bloodshe's Garter. It was an instant. Yeah. I mean that's that's why <laughs> now. It
0: was too good. It was yeah, too good for this too world. Too good. Now I've got an action that I've got to. have got an action that I got to make sure I'm at an action point for. Well, so you know what's interesting, Matt. Next week's episode, uh, hopefully, we'll know what's in these decks other than these like six shady pictures we've seen because they come out on Friday. um But you know what's interesting? Uh, this is going to be next week. Will be our last episode without uprising you keep
1: doing dude. this thing and it's funny i don't even know if you're doing it but you keep oh. doing this thing it's funny no this is great it's great content because it, i feel like it's a running it's like a running joke you don't even know about and it drives <laughs> me crazy not crazy but it, it's humorous to me because you say you you say it's our last episode pause And then you say something else after that.
0: This has happened a lot. (laughs) I don't know if you realize this. And I'm like, oh my god, it's our last episode. What? It's like in Futurama. It's because Calculon, he's the master of the dramatic. (laughs) And that's I don't know. I don't do it on purpose. That I'm I'm no, no. It's just it's it's so
1: funny because it's it's like it makes it sound like it's our last episode for like half of a moment, and I'm like.
0: Wait, are you quitting the podcast? No, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like we sold to Big Diet Tunic. Uh, we got company. bought out by Arsenal.
1: Pass. They saw the. Pro- they <laughs> saw the potential.
0: They saw the potential. <laughs> we, we'll see. Well, everybody is undergoing interviews to see who stays on. <laughs> <laughs> or Rudy oh, bought God. us out. Yeah, right. It's like we're. If word. only shit, if Rudy buy us out. I'd sell. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, speaking of Rudy. Um, apparently he talked to channel fireball and James white. And, uh, the, the word on the street is that uprising is going to be a gauged release. Um, so no one's sitting on pallets of it. Uh, so basically I guess the, the idea, and this is really interesting that LSS wants to, they want to set it up so that the product's availability level constantly matches the demand for it so that it's selling at 99.99, um, which I think is fascinating, so we don't run into a situation where suddenly something that we thought was super Sorry about that, something that we thought was super rare um, is just uh, it turns out that there's warehouses full of it in Nevada. And uh, you know, here we are. Uh, with We all went through that with Monarch. We saw what it did to the investment community, uh, which is already taking a hit due to inflation. And um, it's good to see that that's not going to happen with Uprising because even though I do think that the real appeal fesh- flesh and blood and the fundamental thing about it that's so great is the gameplay, is the communities attached to it. What's really interesting is a lot of people found out about this game, heard about it, and showed up. Uh, because of the investor hype, and so it's nice to hear that the investors are not gonna get boned again. Because as long as that investor hype keeps happening, you're gonna be exposing more people to the game, which uh, is what we want.
1: I agree. uh, I agree to an extent, but I do think that um the game, you know, the game for sure needs people to like be interested in it and in. In uh, multiple like aspects, not just playing it, but I think the most important thing is definitely going to be the players, right? And that's ultimately just what's going to uh, the game's going to live and die and buy its players, right? So if the play if the game's good, it doesn't matter how many people like find it you know investable or not, like it's still going to be it's still going to be valid, you yeah. know. And and I think that that's still shown with like other card games that have seen. Maybe not the same level of success that Flesh and Blood has seen. At least the same rate of success, right? Because some of these have had a longer time to build up, you know, like Force of Will, when they screwed over their market. They They still remain to be a playable game, and then they ended up picking back up and continuing from there. But I don't think Flesh and Blood will make that level of error. So I think that there will still be a level of market, like speculation still be a level of investment still be a level of some degree of like you know holding of product and you know older collectible valuable stuff to where the game can still be supported by both that and the players
0: yeah yeah i think that makes sense i mean you need the investment like the the investment factor needs to be there with any trading card game that's just, you know, that's the nature of trading card games. That's what separates them from limited card games, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm and not so, disagreeing with that at all. Yeah, know? we just got to help them. We got to help those people, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you
1: know, it's funny. Like, it's funny that, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's funny that there are so, so many people split on, like, the whole, like, investor, like, player thing. You know what I mean? Like... When the the real solution was to make both both uh, both sides happy, you know what I mean. With uprising getting rid of unlimited and and first edition, with them controlling the the print runs of everything, I think it's definitely going to be very exciting. Once we see uh, once we see uprising release,
0: yeah. I agree wholeheartedly and uh, I'm I'm glad to see that LSS is kind of like they realize that they they realize that they did a uh I don't know what word I'm looking for, but they messed up. And um <laughs> noopsie. An so yeah, they did noopsie an and they're uh they're doing something to uh to make it right. Uh so you know I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uprising. Uh so you know. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, that about does it for today's episode. I know uh, Matt and I are taking a road trip this weekend, going to a Magic the Gathering Judge conference gathering, Um, and uh, it's going to be quite cool. Hell yeah. We'll brainstorm some cool ideas.
1: Maybe we'll uh, play a little flesh and blood. Maybe we may have an opportunity to teach some people flesh and blood.
0: We'll see. Maybe we'll get stuck in traffic and have to play mental flesh and blood. Uh, we'll see that <laughs> happen. Do you remember mental magic that people would play, or oh, you would dear. just like imagine a seven card hand? <laughs> uh, lightning bolt. All right, it's like counterspell. Casting lightning bolt um, right now. <laughs> tapping two blue counterspell. Uh, Respond so, lightning bolt. <laughs> it's like well, you this all day. Left, there's only one left in his deck. <laughs> uh so that's actually those two. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh thanks for listening to episode ten. We hit double digits, and we'll Hell see yes. you next week. Join us for episode eleven. Yeah, right. Two well.